come before you this morning with burdens, with weight on our shoulder. Lord, we release these things to you. Forgive us of our pride, for our hatred, for our sin. For it is your blood that washes it clean. Lord, we pray that our songs this morning reach your heavenly throne. Amongst those songs that those angels sing at this very moment, we praise you, our creator, our foundation, our healer, our father, our warrior, our king. Praise you, Father. In your name we sing and pray. Amen. Okay. So we actually have a pretty unique perspective that we're going to hear from several different speakers this morning. So uh, if you've been with us for the summer or part of the summer, you know that we are um, studying through the book of Psalms. We're not looking at every Psalm, but looking at uh, a handful of them that we have chosen over the course of the last couple months that we really think give a broad understanding of what the book of Psalms is trying to communicate, some of the major themes, some of the major ideas. This morning... We're going to look at uh, Psalms 42 and 43. And uh, the structure of these Psalms, and really why we chose two of them, is uh, many people believe that 42 and 43, although they're two separate Psalms, are actually one kind of continuous thought, could be considered perhaps maybe one Psalm uh, that was just broken into two different sections. Um, And so we're looking at these two different Psalms. And because the structure and repeating refrain in both 42 uh, is this indication that they could have originally been written as one continuous psalm intended uh, to contain three separate refrains. The author of the psalm is uh, not specifically identified, although some scholars would argue that the psalm is Davidic in nature uh, due to the style and language uh, and that uh, it would be in response to David's flight from Absalom. Others maintain that the uh, psalm is anonymous, uh, but that it was sung by the sons of Korah to describe a time of exile from the temple. Uh, regardless of the authorship, both psalms contain three inherent, or both psalms contain inherent tension in their words, and this is really why we decided to choose these psalms. Is because there is great tension. It's a back and forth, a kind of a push and pull. Uh, this morning, as we read through these, the voice comes as one feeling removed from God while at the same time longing for closeness and renewal with God. Voices struggling with doubt and fear and persecution, while at the same time clinging tightly to the hope that they have in the living God. And so as you read through Psalm 42 and 43, you get this real, um, kind of this beautiful wrestling match of uh, an author who is showing some hope and really trying to hold on to this idea of hope in God, while at the same time questioning, God, where are you? Where are you when life is hard, when frustrations happen, when, uh, when I feel pain and sorrow and sadness? Where are you, God? Yet I will have hope. And so we chose these, uh, these two psalms because of this tension and because we feel like that's a common experience for many of us, that many of us live in that world. Many of us live in those seasons of life where there is great tension, where you feel sadness and sorrow and pain and you question, where is God? 
while at the same time, while at the same time, kind of holding on tightly to that idea of hope that I just must continue to hope in God. And so we have three different unique voices. I'll be one of them, and then I have two uh, great friends. Many of you have seen them around here. Daniel Hudson will be one of them, and Sam Groth will be one of them coming up and, uh, and sharing um, from different sections of these psalms uh, kind of through their experience and through the way that God has been, uh, has been using these psalms to impact their lives. So the flow of the morning will be a little bit different. Obviously, we've already sung some songs in a minute. Daniel's going to come up here. He's going to take that first chunk of Psalm 42 and teach a little bit on it. And afterwards, the lights will go down, and we're going to sing a little bit more. And then after that, Sam will come up, and Sam is going to teach a little bit on the second half of Psalm 42, and then the lights will go down, and we'll have some more singing. And I will come up, and I will close with Psalm 43. And the intention of this is not to be a distraction. The intention isn't to have a bunch of people uh, on stage and, and, and to try to um, manufacture emotions or feelings, but the intention is to give ourselves some time and space to process. And so that's what that time of music after each speaker is going to be. It's, it's going to be a time to process. If you process uh, by being quiet and still and needing to sit, then do that. Take that posture during that time. If you want to stand and praise and sing along, then do that as well. But take those, uh, those few songs to kind of dwell on the words that are being spoken from the stage. Dwell on the words that you believe the Spirit is speaking through the Scripture to you this morning. So let me pray, and then uh, I'll invite up Daniel to uh, begin our morning. Lord, our desire as a community is to know you. Our desire is to trust in you in the midst of pain, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of sadness. And so, God, we, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds this morning to understand that and to know that, to honestly evaluate our own lives, to be honest with our pain and our sorrow, to be transparent in that but also to hope in you and to know what that means. God, we pray that you would use uh, maybe a different format this morning to impact our lives in a different way, in a new way. So God, be with us. Be here in this place. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Would you welcome uh, with me Daniel Hudson? Thank you. So if you're sad today, you came to the right place. <laughs> because if you're not sad now, you're going to be. Well, I don't know, maybe. But today we are talking a lot about sadness, actually. That's really a big part of Psalm 42 and 43. Uh, the Psalms go lament, refrain, lament, refrain, lament, refrain. And... The refrains are beautiful. They're this oasis in the desert of like clarity and truth and beauty. But let me tell you, the laments are bad. Like they're really sad. This guy is going through some really hard times. Um, I have a little bit of trouble actually identifying with the psalmist here because I'm not a very sad person. I don't go through times of a lot of sadness. I'm blessed uh, as far as that goes. I. Just God is for me to be happy, go lucky. Um, actually, though, 
I, I did have an incident last night that helped me. It's kind of interesting that I'm speaking on this today, and then this happened last night, but I actually got let go from my job last night. I was a server at Maslow's Steakhouse. It's a great place, um, but it really came out of nowhere. Basically, the short of it is that they were looking for a stronger server than me. I'm great table side, but maybe can't handle as many tables as other people. And uh, so they were just like, Dan, you're, you're, not, you're not exactly up to our standards, and we've got to let you go. <laughs> and as you can probably understand, I mean, I was sad. <laughs> I was like, dude, this sucks, you know? <laughs> um, so maybe that's not exactly what the psalmist is going through. He's actually going through something a lot worse, but that's something I can identify, and maybe you can think of the sad times in your life, and maybe identify right now as we walk through what the psalmist is going through. So let's experience this, and it doesn't matter if you're sad or not now, we've all experienced that. I think this will help us um, have purchase in how to cope and how we should be as Christians and believers. So go to Psalm 42, and let's just get right into it. It talks about, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. He's painting this picture of if it's not deep want, it might even be deep need. He's saying, I need God. He even goes on to say, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and be- appear before God? In this writer's context, he's saying, nothing else is going to do. I'm dry and not some mute, dead, dumb idol or false god is going to do. I need the living God. I need the God of the universe. That's what I need right now. And I think all of us maybe have gone through dark nights of the soul where we identify with that. Nothing else would do. Your soul's so dry, nothing else is going to do. You need one thing, one thing only, and that's God. That's where this psalmist is at. He's, why, why is he crying out for God? It's because in verse 3 and 4 he says, My tears have been my food day and night. Now, this guy is not going on any, like, new Hebrew fad diet. He's crying, and he's lost his appetite. That's what I think is going on. So, really, the only thing he's, quote-unquote, eating is his tears and his sadness. He says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? So, this dude, this psalmist, he is... Been, he's probably a prisoner of war. He's probably in exile right now, away from home, which is uh, Israel. And so he knows that he's in a place where he may never, ever see home again. And that's why he's sad. And on top of that, he's got his enemies going, where's your God, bro? Uh, is he here? Hey, Bill, you see his God here? I don't. Right? It's, <laughs> I don't know why they're from California, but... Um, <laughs> But I, you know, maybe, maybe he's not real, you know, maybe that's why he's not answering you. Or if he's not real, he sure as heck forgot about you, pal. You know, so he's in this time where there's a lot of psychological uh, oppression and persecution. And then on top of that, as if things couldn't get any worse, he starts going down memory lane. Have you ever, have you ever been in a sad place and in order to try to cheer you up, you reach for a happy thought? But then it works against you because you realize it's in the past, it may never happen again, and you may not ever be that happy ever again in your life. (laughs) And so you get even more sad. I think that's kind of what's happening here. If you read in verse uh, 
4, he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. The Hebrew people, when they went to festival, I mean, they partied hardy. You know, it was all your friends and family were there. You go once every year, or you at least try to. There's tons of feasting. There's, uh, there's dancing. There's singing. There's trumpets. There's lyres. There's clashing cymbals. Specifically in Psalms 150, it talks about the loud clashing cymbals. I guess they put away the soft clashing cymbals before, and they busted out the loud ones for this event. Um, and it was just this big party. And so as the psalmist is thinking about this, he's going, I I may never have that again. I don't have any food right now. The only food I have are my tears. There's definitely no dancing. And the only singing that comes close is the sound of my enemies over here going, where's your God? You know? And he's in this deep sadness. But that's not fully what I want to talk about. Because right now we're at verse 5. This is the refrain. This is where hope comes in. This is as if the rational part of this psalmist is speaking to his soul, the seed of his emotions, and he's saying, he's saying, why? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He's basically shaking his soul, and he's saying, Soul, I know you've experienced exile. I know you're in a time where you may not ever find the comfort of your friends and family ever again. I know you're sad. I know you're hungry because all you've been eating is your tears. But it's not good enough for you to be, have an excuse to be downcast. It's not good enough For you to have an excuse to be in turmoil. I know how you feel, but given your situation, that you have a relationship with God, with Yahweh, it is not enough for you to remain and stay this way. It didn't make his feelings go away, but it shines like a beacon, like an oasis in the desert. He says, hope in God. Now, in the Hebrew text... That's actually literally wait for God. He says, so wait for God. Now, this isn't just any kind of waiting. It's, it's waiting with expectation, right? And that's a big idea for today is that we're, we're going to talk about expectant waiting. So, so you can go out and you can buy a lottery ticket. And just because you buy a lottery ticket doesn't mean you quit your job. Who does that? Honey, I quit my job. Oh, why, why, why would you do that? Oh, I bought a lottery ticket. We'll be fine. Nobody says that because that's not, you're not expectantly waiting on the lottery ticket to go through. The, the odds are astronomical. You're actually planning on just the opposite of that. You're planning on just going through your life how you normally do, and maybe you'll hit the jackpot. What expecting waiting is like is more like waiting for the sun to rise. That's what expectant waiting is like. When you go to look for the sun to rise or sunset, you go out with your, you know, your blanket or something, and you're not like, oh, man, I hope it comes up. I don't know. Maybe it won't, and I guess I'll just have to come out tomorrow. Who knows? Nobody's like that. Why? Because ever since you were a little kid, 
elementary school age. You've been taught about the sun. You know how the solar system works and how the earth works and how there's always sunrise and sunset. You've experienced it personally. You know that it's always rose and it's always gone down. And you know what? Most likely, it's going to do it again tomorrow and the rest of your life. And that's very analogous to what the psalmist's rational mind is saying right now. You know God, just like you know the sun is going to rise. You know who he is. You've been taught ever since elementary school age about who he is, how he's delivered your people over and over and over without fail. He is undeserving of your unbelief. And he's worthy of your hope. He's worthy to you wait for, for you to wait on him, but not just wait, wait expectantly that he's going to come through, that he's going to be your salvation. If you could go back to that psalm, he's going to be, uh, he says, for a, I shall praise him again, my salvation and my God. If I could have the band, go ahead and you guys can come up. So while we're thinking about this, this is something that I... <laughs> Apparently, I'm going to have to live out in my life as I'm, I don't know what's going on with this job thing. It's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, there's people in this room who have way deeper hurts and problems and issues like that. And, you, and sadness is a regular part of your life. And maybe you feel like you don't have anything to hold on to. I'm telling you, if you know God, you know who he is, and maybe even as you get to know him, this is your foundation wait expectantly on God because we know who he is and he always comes through. Amen. Just to reiterate what Kevin shared, if you want to just take some moments just to connect with the Lord in prayer or join us in singing worship, you can. on perfect okay so some of you guys don't know me uh and i was supposed to be alleviated by aaron newby giving me a rousing introduction uh he did not do that though so i guess we left in the dark about who i am and i will not explain who i am so to deal with that um, yeah, so as Daniel uh, kind of concluded, I'm going to pick up uh, where he left off. And I think that some people would think that that was kind of a tidy explanation um, and that the psalmist uh, kind of found his conclusion. Um, but life sometimes isn't that black and white. Uh, sometimes it's gray and it's messy. Uh, and the psalmist actually... Uh, continues lamenting. Um, but before that, I'm going to show a clip. Um, who knows who Louis C.K. is in this room? Great. Uh, he went on Conan uh, a while back, and he is a comedian, um, but he actually touches on some truths um, which are profound and deep. So I'm going to play that.
many people can relate to that feeling. Uh, I know some people <laughs> laughed when he said that. Um, but I'm curious how many people in this room have actually felt that, um, that sadness. Uh, honestly, I have to commend him for being so vulnerable and, and honest. It's hard to do that. Um, but I think just like Louis is vulnerable and honest, so is the psalmist. And not just in this particular psalm, but throughout the entire book. Um, the psalmist is, is not afraid to lament or despair, to voice concern, uh, and to acknowledge reality, whatever that might look like in the moment. Um, and so we'll continue reading, starting in verse 6. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in the turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. As I read the Psalms, I think the question that I have is, can I be that honest with the Lord? And can I be that honest with the people around me? Uh, And I think if I was honest, uh, I can't. Um, That's hard to feel... um, since hopeless, um, where there isn't maybe a, a, a tidy explanation of why things happen in life the way that they do. The psalmist expresses despair in the idea that the Lord has forgotten him in a time where he's being oppressed by his enemies, in a time where not only are the people who are opposed to him question where his God is, but he himself questions where God is. And I don't have much to say to the psalmist, just like I don't have much to say to a young widow. You know, or someone who is going through a divorce, who may never be able to trust fully again, um, whether infidelity or the uh, abuse that they took in that relationship. Uh, I don't have much to say to a God-fearing Jew in the, in the 40s who had to watch their family being murdered. Um, I don't have much to say to someone who suffers from crippling depression. Um, and I don't say these things to shock you. I don't say them to get a reaction. I say them but because they've happened. And, and they'll continue to happen. I think in these moments, we desire a quick fix. Um, and we desire a tidy explanation to ease any discomfort. Uh, Dr. Larry Crabb, he's a Christian psychologist, and he writes a book, Inside Out. Um, but he says... Uh, He kind of gets at what's wrong with that attitude. He says, figure out what's broken and fix it. That's the way we naturally think. But that attitude reduces us to things like faucets that sometimes break and fail to function properly. We're relational. We're not mechanical. I think a deeper truth exists here. I think that we were made for perfect relationships with God and with each other. But the issue is that we live in a broken world with broken people. And it's, it's, it's hard to acknowledge that. It's, it's uncomfortable. And so we pretend. 
I pretend that I don't feel as deeply as I do. Um, and I pretend uh, either by totally detaching myself from the situation and, and not acknowledging it or replacing it with little luxuries, toys that were really never meant to possess my heart um, because it's easier than facing reality. Uh, so the second part of that video I'm going to show you, um, Louis has a, has a reason or an answer to, to what to do in that situation. Uh, I will uh, actually preface it with this, that there is uh, one explicit word in this video. So I think all the kids are gone. But if you do not uh, want to see that, then we can give you a minute to, to step out. But I think, yeah. The psalmist at the end reminds us to hope in God. We've kind of coined that phrase as an expectant, uh, expectant waiting. Um, I would encourage us to wait in the pain, to, to feel that sadness, um, not to deny it, because I think denying it denies our humanity, but to lean into it, because I think in that moment, that's when we're closest to the truth. And so I'm going to invite the band back up to continue in worship um, and to continue to, to maybe wrestle with, with that idea and continue to wrestle with what we actually we feel. So. Let's sing deeper in love with you. For those that are just getting to know you. Lord, we share the grace and the joy that we have in you. That there is not that emptiness. you have filled that space to give us salvation to wrap yourself in human skin walk this earth and you died on a cross you felt those nails that were destined for our hands and our feet but you took it for that we praise you Father now we just ask that one day we will see you in your glorious heaven to see your face to uh, Psalm 43, you can. I'm going to try to bring uh, a little bit of closure to what we're sharing this morning. So Psalm 43 says this, Vindicate me, O God. Defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre. My God, my God, oh God, my God, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God.
The tone of Psalm 43, I believe, is less of a cry out to God in sorrow and pain and more of this internal wrestling match with the inherent tensions of expectant waiting when God feels distant in our lives. The last couple of days, I had the opportunity to go uh, backpacking and fly fishing with uh, a few of my really, really trusted and close friends, and we had an incredible time. Anytime I feel like you're in the outdoors, it's an incredible time, although the fishing was absolutely terrible, terrible fishing. We fished for a combined about 40 hours and caught one fish, (laughs) and it was roughly this big. Uh, so the fishing was honestly one of the, uh, the worst couple stretches of fishing I've ever had, but uh, that wasn't the only adventure we had on Friday night. So we left, uh, we left Thursday night and then had a, a day of fishing Thursday, and then we stayed out Friday night as well. And on Friday night before going to bed, we all uh, had kind of looked at, at the skies and there were some clouds. But you guys have been uh, here for the last couple weeks. It's been like 160 degrees every single day. It's been absolutely hot. We looked at the clouds. We had set up a tent earlier in that day, actually, just so we had a little bit of shade. We looked up at the clouds, and it was kind of, uh, you know, it was getting dark. We were like, let's just, let's take the tent down now, because then in the morning, it's just a quick pack up, and and the tent's already in our our bags, and we're just out of here. You know, it's going to save us at least seven minutes in the morning. So let's take the tent down now. (laughs) Looked up, few clouds, but it's been beautiful. There's no way, absolutely no way it could rain. In fact, the forecast said there was a 30% chance of rain. 30%, 30%, that's nothing. So, take it down. That was our first tactical error in the midst of uh, our, our Friday night adventure. I'm going to slip on these. Um, that was our first tactical error. So, we all, uh, now we're just laying, no tent, we're all just kind of out there underneath the stars, it's absolutely gorgeous, kind of drifting off to sleep. About 11.30, you start to hear that sound, you start to feel the rain come on your face, but it's a very, very light sprinkle. Not a big deal. We're men four of the menliest men you've ever met. And so we said, no, we all kind of wake up together and we say, it's a light rain. It's not going to be a big deal. So let's just stay out here and we're just going to wait the rain out. It's no problem. No problems at all. Second, right there, that decision that we made in that moment. About 1230, wake up. It's starting to rain a little bit at this point. So, and we're starting to question our manliness (laughs) at this point. So the rain is coming down harder. And now it's like, you can feel the top of your sleeping bag, and it's definitely wet. It's still warm, and you're still, like, dry underneath, but the top is pretty wet. And my face, you know, it feels like I've been sweating a lot, but it's just rain that's been coming down on my face. 12.30, rain is intensified, and, and we make this decision. So let's, let's pick up our sleeping bags, and we're going to go into the trees a little bit. Because at this point, we're in this, like, uh, right by the river, and we're in this area that has no, no coverage at all. Let's go into the trees, and the trees will protect us from the rain. They're our friends. So we pick up, 1230, pick up our sleeping bags. It's, it's like a two-minute walk on this little trail into the trees, lay down, fall asleep, everything's great. By about 12, or by about 115, uh, we wake up, and at this point, we are literally sleeping in puddles of water. And that is, that's not like an exaggeration. Like, there were puddles of water on top of our sleeping bags at this point. Was anybody up, or I don't know how hard it rained in Spokane, but this was the hardest rain that I have been in in a long time. Absolutely soaking wet at this point. 1.15, okay, let's set up that tent now. So (laughs) run back, leave our sleeping bags where they're at. We run back, we furiously set up this tent, headlamps on. I mean, it's the kind of rain that is like you're just dripping, dripping water. Finally, we go back. Our sleeping bags, you could wring them out, soaking wet with water. We get into the, uh, into the tent. 
and we, we actually are able to fall asleep a little bit um, once we're in there. And uh, you just end up sleeping in wet clothes in a wet sleeping bag, and it's a, it's a horrific night of sleep. You don't really sleep at all, but at least you're laying down, so that makes you kind of feel good about yourself. But we were able to, to maybe get a little bit of rest from, uh, you know, 1.15 until about 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock when we woke up. And uh, it, it was quite an adventure. But here is why I tell you this. Because when I was, uh, I, I knew I was going to be preaching this weekend. And, and I knew, obviously, we had been studying and looking at this. And as I was laying in that sleeping bag, really about the first time I woke up and I felt that rain, there was this, uh, this thought that kept coming and bubbling up to me. And it's that idea of expectant waiting. I was expectant that the rain would stop. I was there. I'm like, this, the rain is going to stop. The rain always stops. It's just a light sprinkle. So I'm laying there. I'm, I'm tired. You make terrible decisions when you're tired. And that was the first terrible decision we made is let's just wait out the rain, right? We kept putting off setting up the tent because we were expectant that the rain would stop. Because the rain always does stop eventually. This is why... Psalm 42, and specifically, I think Psalm 43 speak to life in such a profound way. Because I think they bring to light the reality of human sorrow and pain that Sam so honestly talked about. But it doesn't end with sorrow in Psalm 43. The Psalm also gives us the answer that we need to cling to in our times of sorrow. And it's back to this refrain. The answer is the continuous process of placing our hope in God. And this is why the author uses that refrain three different times. Hope in God. Our fishing trip, in a lot of ways, was a little bit of a microcosm for life. Meaning, it was great. We had a wonderful time. It was great to be with each other. It was great to be in the outdoors but it was also kind of terrible at the same time. I'm not sure any of us slept more than just a couple of hours when it was all said and done. We woke up wet and cold. Every single thing that we had out there, our backpacks, all of our extra clothes, all of our food was wet when we woke up. There was a half of inch of standing water in my boots that I knew I had to put on that morning to hike out. We got rained on even as we tried to fish a little bit more before we headed home. But this is sometimes what life is like. You expectantly wait for the rain to stop, but it doesn't. And everything around you feels weighed down with wetness. So then how do we hope in these times? How do you find hope in these times? And this is where I think verse 3 is critical to our understanding of hope. Verse 3 of Psalm 43 says this, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. The author points us toward the practical application of what it means to hope in God, what it really takes to expectantly wait, and it's one word, and it's submission. Submission. God, may your light and your truth give me understanding, and may they lead me. This is a statement of releasing control. May they lead me. No longer do I want to lead myself. May they lead me. The author has submitted and is now asking and hoping and expectantly waiting 
for the truth and the light of God to lead him to a place of fulfillment and praise, even when all he can see around himself are storm clouds. This is the posture that I believe we need to take. It's a posture of submission. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus refers to himself as both light and truth. And this is how Psalm 43 came alive to me. Jesus says this in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And in John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, God gave us more than just knowledge of who he is. He gave us more than just salvation. God gave us himself. God gave us a savior. And this is the hope that sustains our lives. These two passages from John show us that in submission, not only can we begin to know the Father, but we no longer have to walk in darkness. When we learn to submit our lives to Christ, then our hope, even amidst pain and sorrow, can firmly be set on the truth that Christ is for us and that Christ is with us. No matter what we did on that Friday night, we were going to experience rain. And in a similar way, we have, if not you, are currently experiencing sorrow and pain. And there will be more of it as life continues. And we can either raise our fist and scream why, or we can expectantly wait in the goodness and redemption of Jesus, who was the light and the truth of the world. As trite as it might sound, Christ is our hope. Christ is who we surrender to. And for those who feel lost right now, I implore you, learn to wait. Expectantly wait, because God will show up. For those who are experiencing the rain right now, know that it's okay. Life will bring storms, life will bring rain, and don't run because you won't be able to outrun it. Learn to wait. Expectantly wait for God, because the sun will eventually overtake the rain. Let me leave with this quote. When disease, disaster, and death strike, we are filled with hope because our ultimate trust is in God. Our worlds and wealth may crumble. Disease and disaster may lay hold on what and whom we value. But followers of the Christian way continue to be hopeful. We hold on to hope because we are filled with faith that God is able to consummate the promise made to redeem and transform all who turn lives toward God. This is my prayer for our community, that as followers of the Christian way, even when life has brought much pain and sorrow and frustration and sadness, that we expectantly wait for the transformation and redemption that comes when we submit to Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me?
Lord, it is easy to be frantic. It is easy to scramble, to try to be in control of all things. But it's exhausting. And too often, too many of us live those types of lives, especially when we're met with sorrow and pain and sadness. We reach for anything that might be that quick fix, Lord, but we need to just wait. We need to hope. Help us, Lord, to hope in you. Help us, Lord, to know how to submit to our Savior. And in so doing, God, would you redeem us? Would you transform us? We trust in your goodness. We trust in who you are. We trust in the reality that you are for us, that you are with us. God, we love you. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, As you stand, know that you are blessed this week and dismissed to go on your way. Thank you.